radio? Yes, talk radio. So boring, man. Okay. Edmund on the ice. It's Stamkos. He got in. Steven Stamkos to the net. Scores! What a return. Third shift of the game for Stamkos, and it's 2-0 Tampa. The captain returns. Well, you know, great players sometimes just have to For Monday, July twelfth, twenty twenty one, it's uh, the season's final. Not not our season's final, oh. but the NHL season's final. Uh, Laced up hockey podcast. Mm-hmm. That's probably very deceiving for the listeners, but they'll get through it. They'll figure it out. Yeah, it's gonna take a while to do the housekeeping at the end of the episode. Now, I guess. I'm 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 James Cole. I am, I don't do the housekeeping, so that's fine. I am uh, a Brutes Vitaglia, proud Italian. I guess at the moment. Yeah. Um, sort of, I guess I'm sort of Italian. The, the streets of Thunder Bay are alive with That's the right. sound of That's right. Italian music. Yeah, my buddy and his family were driving down Memorial Avenue honking their horns and shit apparently after they won. Yeah. The snap story looked pretty funny. Yeah. That's pretty cool, I guess. Sure. Yeah, I mean, whatever. I was sitting there, and, and you know, like, I, I, I hate to be the, the petty member here, but mm. I was sitting there and I was just imagining well, what it are might, we bit British? What it might be like to watch a team win a championship. <laughs> just wonder what that's like. What like? I don't know if you're allowed to ask this nowadays. What are you like? Are you <laughs> like? Were you re rooting for England or were you? I was rooting for England you, uh, because my dad was rooting for England, you, if that uh, makes sense. Are you? Were you rooting for Wales more, or uh, are you... Uh, Canada wasn't in it, so... Maybe rooting for Germany? I don't really know. I like Germany. Okay. I like the Germans. Strong, I, I guess strong I'm, nation. I'm mostly asking if you, if you had to, like, I mean, I, I realize you are many cultures, but if you had to pick a, a culture to associate yourself with, not appropriate yourself with, but... I, I don't know. I, it's the lame answer, but I'm I just go with Canadian at this point. Yeah, it's like well, no, that I mean that yeah, third generation. That's more or less I guess, born whatever, in this country. We all be, so, but. but no, for sure. Like I, I can see how like there are people where like they're born in Canada, but like maybe their parents are from Italy. So there yeah. there is that close connection. That's always been what it is for me, right? It's like if, if I weren't around my mother's parents so much. Uh, at a young age, and you know, my grandfather's from Italy, and all of his family's from Italy, and my grandmother's parents are actually from Czechoslovakia, so I'm not even full Italian on that side, even. But it was just like that was sort of the environment I was raised in. But I, I imagine most people, it's like, well, your your great grandmother came from uh, came from I don't know over across the pond years ago, and it's just like, all right, so what are we? And it's like, I don't know, who cares? Well, you're Canadian, yeah, you know. Some and point, I am still Canadian, but at some point you got to draw a line in the sand and yeah. just say like it's all right. We've been here enough time. Let's just. That's why it's always weird for me too. Like, like yeah. I cheer for Italy and I celebrate it, but it's like, you know, 
Am I really Italian? Not really. Now, what would you do if they were playing Canada? Because, like, obviously we know... Yeah, you go Canada? I think so. Just because the underdog factor, or what? Mm. It's one of those things, right? Because you're going into it. I don't know if I have a reason, just because I've lived in Canada. You're going into it knowing full well what's about to take place. Yeah. Probably. And (laughs) would you still set yourself up for that disaster? Uh, I guess my answer to you is I probably wouldn't watch the game. That's right. Maybe, yeah. Yeah. I don't know what scenario they're playing each other. Yeah, right? um, like the World Cup. Euro World Cup ends with an Italian win uh, after the uh, penalty kickoff, kickout, shootout thing that they do. Penalties. Yeah, that thing. Penalty. What kicks. an awful way to end a fucking it's tournament. Not great. It's not great. Like I get it. You can't just sit there and play soccer for like five hours until someone scores a goal. No, that's often what they do. Actually, yeah. like that's how long it would take. So, yeah. But I feel like we like we could probably figure something else to do. Like, like how come soccer can't adopt like a three on three? Just well, people, bring the nets in halfway. You people know? were even trying to compare it to the shootout in hockey, and I'm like, there's even more. There's more of a degree of skill involved in hockey in a shootout than there is in oh, soccer. Yeah, like, a lot. Right, the goalie's guessing, the player's shooting. It's literally just a crapshoot in soccer. Like this is terrible. At least in hockey, it's like, well, you know. The goalie is guessing, but he also takes up ninety-five percent of the net. That's right. So yeah, he's got a good clue. Yeah, yeah. That that British kid that hit the post. Uh, wow, that's that's gonna feel terrible, I imagine, for years to come. But yeah, well, I mean, it's, uh, I'm sure it blows being nineteen and have it happen too. That's not easy, but yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um. So yeah, cool. Congrats, Italy. Con- congrats to you. Thank you. Um, Mr. Championship yeah, here with your baseball hard. teams and your football teams. Yeah, I've been working and, hard here. You know, we've yeah. had a lot of tough years. So. Definitely. Speaking of tough years, uh, mm. Duncan Keith is uh, rumored right. to be uh, potentially on the move. That's a good one. Uh, north, north of the border. Yeah. Um, the Edmonton Oilers reportedly having interest in Duncan Keith, despite the fact that sure. uh, that probably wouldn't help. And I can't imagine Car McDavid's thinking that's a good idea either. Really weird. Really weird. I get it if Chicago's retaining salary and you're bringing him in at 275. Well, I think he's at 5.5 if I remember correctly because I think he's been at that for a while. So you bring him in at two and three quarters and, you know, like, are you going to get that value out of him? Like, you know, not necessarily, but, you know, like, I guess there's something to be said that Duncan Keith brings more than what he brings on the ice, like, yeah, he is one of those few players where I think, like, just having him around would be good, but, um, you know, like, this is a team that we continuously talk about the fact that there aren't enough good players surrounding Connor McDavid, and this team is, by the sounds of things, committed to investing five and a half million dollars in a guy that is also not very good, uh, just up to their old tricks there in Edmonton for the most part. Uh, Duncan Keith uh, turns 38 this week. Happy birthday from Happy the Waste Up Podcast. Keith. Yeah, I'll, I'll round up some birthdays. For <laughs> we got a slow episode. Um, 38 years old, and there's there's next season on the deal. There's another full year after that. Like, I'm not I'm not saying that Duncan Keith right now isn't an NHL defenseman. Oh wow! But he's close to not being one. You know what I mean? Like, if if he's on your third pair. And you're giving him ten minutes a night, you're probably fine. But you know, in in Chicago, he's been the guy, and he won his cups, and he proved himself, and he he was look honestly, he was 
probably the best defenseman in the sport for a, a, a brief window there, you know, before before the Eric Carlson era really took over. I think you can make an argument that Duncan Keith was perhaps the best defenseman in the game. One of, at the very least, okay? I would make the argument he was the most dominant defenseman of the 2010s. Okay. But I, do, I don't know that he was at any point the best, but he maybe had the best run sure. of anyone in those sure. 10 years. And so, obviously, in Chicago, he's he's got this presence... You, you want to reward him. You want to you know pay him back for what he's done. And look, they're not a very good team to begin with. So he, he ends up playing 25 minutes a night. And that's not Duncan Keith anymore. Yeah, that's the problem is he is their best defenseman there. But. Exactly. So, again, going back to it, you can, you can hide him on your third pair for 10 minutes a night. Which is fine. Mm-hmm. Except if you're going to Edmonton, they don't have four defensemen that are better than Duncan Keith. Like, they're going to have to play him in that top four. Because because who's better than than Duncan Keith on that on that Oilers blue line? It's it's maybe Clefbaum if he's healthy next year, which we don't really know. Uh, Darnell Nurse has shown moments. That's about where my list ends, I think. Yeah. So, w- what's the move here? Unless you're going out there and getting a couple other guys and Duncan Keith, how does this help your team? I, I don't get it. Yeah. Well, and even to your point, like, that's the weird thing, right, is, like, Duncan Keith comes in, and, the, like, the two guys that you named that maybe are better than him in Edmonton are playing the left side. So, like, you're bringing Duncan Keith in at five and a half to play on your third pairing. Like, what's the move here? Like, that's what I just, I don't get it. It's it's nice to have the cup experience around the room, but there are much cheaper ways to acquire that. And even that, to some extent, is perhaps overrated, right? Like, you know, you look at our our current Stanley Cup champions, right, is is Tampa Bay, and, like, obviously, basically, everyone on the roster had a cup ring, but last year, they go in, and who really on that team had won a Stanley Cup before, aside from Patrick Maroon and Jan Ruda, maybe, with Chicago? Like, that's it. Like, there's not really anyone. Like, I don't really know that this is a, a must-have when you're talking about... Uh, a team winning a Stanley Cup kind of thing, and even you go back to the Blues the year before, like a lot of most of them were winning for the first time too. So, yeah, I, I don't, I don't know, I don't know that I really buy the fact that you need to bring in that experience. And if you're bringing him in for other reasons, I'm very curious to know what those reasons are. I mean, you know, Edmonton invests the least amount of money basically out of anyone in analytics. Like, I mean, they're they're toward the bottom of the list anyway. So. You know, maybe they're not privy to a lot of the information that other people are, but, like, Duncan Keith is very much a... Just watch him. Like, watch him. He doesn't look like Duncan Keith anymore. This is a completely different player than the guy that you once knew, and maybe they're having trouble accepting that. I don't know. Yeah. The good news is is, is there there are a few spots open on that blue line. There There is quite a bit of money that isn't being spent on that blue line. So if, if you want to upgrade that position... I think this is the time to do so. Um, so again, I'm going back to it. Like, if you're going to bring in three guys and the third one's Duncan Keith, sure. You know, I, I, I can kind of see that working if, if the two other guys are better than Duncan Keith. But, I mean, I think we've got bigger fish to fry here, uh, especially when it comes to the uh, netminder position. That, that might be somewhere to start. Uh, the depth of, of the forward group. Uh you definitely could could upgrade that, you know, uh, in in net as, as was a big problem last season. You you could look at the forward depth 
which I mean, obviously, a lot is a lot is being said about McDavid and Drysaitel, but where's the help coming from beyond that, right? Mm-hmm. So, in in a weird way, like for as bad as Edmonton's defense is, that's actually like if I was the GM, that would be like the back burner for me. I would put a little bit more stock in the idea of Evan Bouchard finally arriving. I'd, I'd put a little bit more stock in Oscar Clefbaum bouncing back, perhaps having a having a healthy season, and. Maybe you get by. Like maybe you know what I mean. Like maybe that's enough to just yeah. plug the holes, and you can let McDavid run wild, but give him something else, or give him a goalie, you know, so that McDavid doesn't need four points a night because you're giving up three goals, right? I I don't know what this thing is that general managers do trick themselves into thinking that these players who are prehistoric are fucking still going to be, you know are going to be able to bounce back. And, like, I, I, I don't... Like, my problem here is, like, I don't know why Ken Holland feels like that Duncan Keith is better than a replacement-level player from the American Hockey League that they have fucking growing on trees or he said, like, something like that. Like, I don't know what more he's going to offer. And, like, the, oh, man, it's just, like... They're going to bring in Duncan Keith and are they going to re-sign Tyson Berry and this is going to be, like, part of what this fucking blue line is going to, gonna, you know, look like is, like, you're going to have Darnell Nurse... You're going to have Ethan Bear, and then you're going to have uh, Oscar Clefbaum, who hasn't played in a year. You're going to have Duncan Keith, who hasn't been good for three years. And you're going to have Tyson Berry, who's never been good at defense. And that's going to be what we're going to go with next year? Like, okay. Like, don't, what? don't forget Chris Russell. <sighs> yeah, well, I, and I, that's another thing. is like I think they think he's going to Seattle, and I don't think Seattle's that stupid. Mind you, they just hired Dave Axtell, so I don't know. Yeah, we've... I'm sure we'll get to it in our, our Seattle uh, episode that we, we talk about, but I, I think definitely there's a few other options beyond Chris Russell that I, I would be looking at. Um, and, and hey, look, like one, one guy that maybe the Oilers should be looking at here is uh, uh, a guy in, in Vancouver that reportedly is also in the market in, in Nate Schmidt. Like, if, if the Canucks are serious about moving this guy out, if you're the Edmonton Oilers, now, now maybe you don't get the same trade relationship uh, as you do like being a, a western canadian rival or, or for whatever reason that that can't work out but nate, nate schmidt is is hand and above uh a guy you should be going after before you're, you're even picking the phone up to talk to stan bowman in chicago but that's a thing like it's like a, so they have to add to get keith retained or they have to add to get a better defenseman in schmidt so why, you know, if you're using that cap space, why not get the better defenseman and try to make the team better rather than just, you know, oh, we'll add more because this is the guy we like better. Like, I don't I don't really understand what the thinking is on Duncan Keith. And I, it's, it's, I mean, you know, this is beating a dead horse. Like, we, you and I have tried to talk for years about what the Edmonton Oilers seem to be doing, and I don't remotely understand what their thinking is. There's, there's, uh, um... I don't know. There's about eight general managers in the uh, in the league that are that are playing chess, and the rest are playing checkers. It seems like when we come and talk about this kind of shit every off season, like it just doesn't make any sense. You you prefer chess over checkers, or checkers is stupid. It's pretty dumb. It's terrible. I I, I gotta say though, I, I do I do love Bad Santa, the checker scene. That's. No, like, I like that checkers exist. Yeah. I just think checkers is chess for stupid people, kind of. Like, you know? <laughs> it was like in the feudal days when they came up with chess. They had to find something for the 
the simpletons to to play. That's right. The town idiot. That's right. The Joker. The Joker. Ah, the Joker. Uh, but yeah, no, Nate, Nate Schmidt on on the block. Apparently, uh, in in Vancouver, he played one season there after coming over from Vegas. Um, th- this was something I, I think that perhaps you'd heard a little bit more than than I had. Is there something that's going wrong with you know Schmidt and the front office? Was it just not a good fit this season? He was bad this year. He was bad for this sure. Year. Yeah. yeah, like he was terrible, but. Uh, is that enough reason to move on from him? Like, I don't know if that's necessarily true. So, um, I don't know. Like, if they just think it's not a fit. There were there was some of the part of the conversation, I think this is maybe what, what fueled some of it, too, was just, like, there were people that thought that they were trying to move out Schmidt so that way they could move in Ekman Larson, which makes more sense than Keith to me, in a way, because at least he's not 100, but also he's, you know got like 46 million dollars left on a deal and he has been like he's been worse than Duncan Keith uh, the last couple years so you know but like at least that's maybe like an asset potentially you're bringing in but like I don't know why you'd move Schmidt out to bring in that guy Uh, Nate Schmidt and Duncan Keith uh, both share a birthday so happy birthday Nate Nate Schmidt oh wow Uh, July 16th this week big big day for birthdays yeah big day well and speaking of of July birthdays here too we've got uh, we've got a few uh, Brock Lesnar turns uh, 40, I gotta do the math on all these, 44 this week. So happy birthday Brock Lesnar. We got uh, Michelle Rodriguez of Lost. She turns 43. She's terrible. Um, you'll like this one, James. You'll like this one. 43 years old, Eric Foreman, or Topher Grace wow. is what he would know, of uh, That 70s Show or Ocean's Eleven fame, I guess. Or Black Klansman. He's in. Yeah, well, it's always yeah. good to to know your role, and he's, when that's yeah. the head cardinal of the KKK, you roll with it. He was good in it. But, he was. You know, I don't know if that's. He was very formative. Yeah, uh, Rachel Brosnahan or uh, Miss Maisel, I guess, turns uh, thirty-one this week, so that's cool. Uh, who else we got? We got anyone else good here? What do we got? Richard Simmons <laughs> turns seventy-three. I think is the <laughs> that's there. wild. Yeah. Seventy-three. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Uh, what else? Let's let's do a couple more here. We got uh, oh yeah, Eric Per Sullivan who plays Dewey on uh, Outcome in the Middle. He's thirty. We are getting old. <laughs> I say that as someone that turns thirty this year. <laughs> and uh, oh, he's not still alive. But uh, happy birthday to Pablo Neruda. Mm. Who would have turned 117 today? Happy birthday! Oh, and Mer- Milton Berle also would have turned 103. If only we had more modern science. That's right. Yeah, yeah. One day. Um, so, do you have a a landing spot for Nate Schmidt? Should he move, oh, or do God. you think they they should give him another another go here in Vancouver? I don't know. Like Vancouver's another one where it's just like, what the fuck are they doing? You know, um, Vancouver. Nate Schmidt, hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Like, they I, they should probably keep him. Like, he was another one where it was just like... Uh, they, they Vancouver's another blue line where it's just like, you take a look at it and it's like... It's Nate Schmidt and, like, Quinn Hughes will figure it out. But, like, you know, he doesn't really play a lot of defense. And then it's just a bunch of freewheeling or, like, anchors. Like, that's all they've got. Like, they don't have anyone who can really, really, you know, just play good two-way defense. 
Like, they don't really possess a player like that right now. Tyler Myers would be the closest thing, and he's been not very good there. Not horrible, but not very good. So, I don't know. They should they should hang on to him, but Jim Benning's another one where it's just like, you know, you're beating your head against a wall kind of thing. I'd like Nate Schmidt. If I'm a team, I want Nate Schmidt. Nate Schmidt's good. If they were to move on from Schmidt, uh, you know, tomorrow morning we wake up, uh, they would have two defensemen left under contract on the roster. Um, and given there's an expansion draft with a limited number of players that you must have exposed, mm-hmm. uh, I don't really know if this is something that's going to necessarily take place anytime soon. This might be something that we're looking looking at maybe more towards the, the draft. You know, you could see a draft ideal or, um, you know, even later on in the offseason if something were to pop up. But, uh, yeah, it, it's weird. Like, Vancouver has, I think, a lot of flexibility with the roster at the moment. There's a lot of guys coming off the books, a lot of... A lot of opportunities, what I'm saying, to kind of start fresh in a way. Um, and I, I don't know. Like, they have more information than I do. So if, if it's just not working out, if the, if the fit just isn't there, I, I'd say move on from them. But I say that saying uh, at the same time that I, I think Nate Schmidt's a pretty good defenseman and they're probably going to lose in any trade that they do make. So Now, you mentioned there's an expansion draft coming. I've heard. Have you considered that Jim Benning has not heard well <laughs> is it possible he doesn't know about the well, expansion no, like, draft i think he knows but like he just might not know when it is <laughs> okay. like he might be thinking september right you know yeah like someone told him that they're done for the summer and he took that yeah He's like no they're exactly. done for the summer yeah, i'm out of the office for july they keep yeah. texting him they get that automated response yeah you send the email they call him. like i'm actually out of office out till of the middle office. of september yeah, exactly and, and that'd be good and news they're all freaking out but yeah well it <laughs> might, like might be better <laughs> might be a better season i'll say that yeah, sedines are just all right here's how you answer emails guys yeah and that's really all the job is Whenever free agency opens, just just don't let don't answer the phone if you see Jim's name next to it. Just let that one go to voicemail. The Sedins are just calling everyone, being like, "We're twins. <laughs> we are twins. Um, <laughs> we are Siamese." Did you guys know we are we are twins? Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. That's from part of from Sweden. Part of your shtick for sure. What one other name being floated around there? Apparently, uh, Vladimir Tarasenko has asked for a trade out of mm, St. Louis. Spicy. Um. A lot of injury troubles last couple That's years. Well documented. Uh, Twenty four points in his last thirty four NHL games played. Um, I don't know. Like I, I don't think he's ever going to be what he was again. But he, you, you know, you might be able to slot him into a lineup and get twenty five, thirty goals out of the guy. Yeah. I think so. Um, he's worth a look for. I think any team that's looking to improve that top six. Uh, obviously, the big question at this point is. Uh, how do teams feel about that cap hit, right? And yeah. That's, that's the ongoing story. $7.5 million this year and next uh, to get a guy that, you know, by all accounts has really dropped off, whether that's all injury-related, whether none of that's injury-related, it's, mm-hmm. it's hard to say. Um, this is a guy that I, I really like. I've, I've, enjoyed yes. his, I've enjoyed his career. Um, I liked I, I liked him a little less when he was scoring game winning goals against my country at the World Juniors, but uh, mm. he was dominant even back then, and that, that's kind of where I got my first glimpse of him. And um, I'd like to see him be able to rebound, go out and have have a full season or something close to it, uh, kind of show what he still has. But uh, by by the letter of the law, if it came to Tarasenko, he he wouldn't be doing so in St. Louis. So. 
put put Vladimir Tarasenko on a different team and, and tell me why it makes sense to you. Oh, it, it immediately makes sense to me, and here's why. Uh, is I've seen this movie before, James. Oh. Uh, I'm going to take you back to the year of our Lord, 2012. And I'm going to uh, have you remember a player by the name of Rick Nash, who was on a team, and toward the end there, he's starting to get a little bit hurt. I mean, he played the whole final season that he was in Columbus. But, like, he was starting to get hurt, and he was starting to kind of not look right, and they're like, ah, you know what? Let's move on from him. Let's trade him. They trade him. He goes to the Rangers. He's making literally $7.5 million a year, same fucking cap hit. And he was, like, he was good. He wasn't great. He was maybe wasn't worth that money. But like he like he had a forty goal season there. I'm pretty sure. Like he, he was he was good. Tarasenko's a guy where if you just add him to a team where like everything's kind of in place and they just need a guy who can score, I think he can do that. But if you're trading him somewhere where he's got to be the best winger on the team, I'm hesitant to even say that those days are behind him. Like I'm I I would have to think they are. He's 29, but like yeah. maybe they are, maybe they aren't. But like if you trade him somewhere where he doesn't have to be the guy, then then it's not a problem, you know? For sure. So I, I like him a lot. I think if you're a team that uh, um, that has that cap space and has that need for a scoring winger, um, that, that you love to get him. So where does he fit? Um, the, I mean, I hate to say it, but the first team that came to mind was Boston Bruins. I thought that might be a good fit there, um, especially because now, I don't know if you saw this too, but like the... The word on the street is that Taylor Hall is testing free agency, which, you know, it depends what the Bruins are offering you, but that's the first time you've been good anywhere for three years, so maybe stay there, but, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, if he thinks that that's enough to earn him another deal elsewhere, then maybe that's why he's leaving, so, yeah, I don't know, Tarasenko, for sure, Boston, Um, you know, honestly, ironically, with the Rick Nash comparison, the Rangers would kind of make some sense, you know. Uh, but I don't know if they want to tie up too much cap space in an older guy. It's only two more years left on his deal, but for sure, yeah, know. yeah, it's a tough one. Like uh, I think he could use the fresh start. Where he goes, that's where he goes. You know, no one knows. Well, and and that's just it, right? Like I don't, I don't really. I'm looking at the teams in front of me, and nothing's really jumping out, right? Like, do I think the Philadelphia Flyers could use a guy like that? Absolutely. Can they make it work with the cap? Not at all. No, so they're already in it. You know, like there's the there's a few teams I like for him, but I just don't see it working out when you when you have to break down the numbers at that point and I think there's only a handful that it really, really may like even even honestly like LA kinda yeah, Maybe. You know? Maybe. Yeah. Like another guy that can just fucking rip him. Yeah. Good. And uh, and you know one team that was in high on the the Taylor Hall sweepstakes that didn't end up getting it done. Colorado Avalanche maybe want to take a look. Yeah, I like they, that. I got, like that too. They've got the cap space, you know, then and depending well, on they do and they don't. They do and they, they don't. They gotta yeah. figure out Grubauer and Landis Cog, and I don't think that those are gonna be particularly fun negotiations either. Count McCarr as well, yeah. Oh um, dear God. Yeah. So maybe maybe good. they don't have the, <laughs> the, the cap <laughs> yeah. space there. I mean like but 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 to your point though, like Colorado might be a team if they can make it work. You know, like, I think he's a good fit there. Yeah. But Colorado, like I've said it before, Colorado's a team where I'm more skeptical on their bottom six than I am their top six. Like, if they come back with the top six completely the same, I think that's a perfectly good move. It's the bottom six where it's kind of like, you know, and I don't know if $7.5 million to one player yeah. is the right move there. Another thing, too, to think of is, like, 
it's Joe Sackick we're talking about. Like, it wouldn't surprise me if he found a way to get, like, you know, Seattle to take Jonas Donskoy off the roster, and then, boom, you got $4 million freed well, up, you know? I so, mean, but that's the thing we're going to talk about when we get there with the Seattle episode, is just, like, Colorado's one of those teams that's going to get hit hard. Definitely. Probably. Yeah, they're going to lose somebody. They're, so they're either going to have to pay to get Eric Johnson taken, or they're going to have to lose a good player, and it's it's probably Jonas Donskoy, you mm-hmm. know? So, I don't know. Uh, moving on. Uh, a little sure. bit a little bit more uh, housekeeping to get to. Uh, Travis Dermott back with the Excuse Toronto me. Maple Leafs for two years yeah. uh, on a $1.5 million cap hit. Um, lots of speculation floating around that, you know, he might have been the guy that was going to get claimed for Seattle from the Maple Leafs. Um, the two-year deal makes me believe that they're going to protect him at this point because... What what unless you've got a handshake agreement from Ron Francis in Seattle that they're not going to take him? Why why a do you make the contract official before the expansion draft and and why b do you make it a two year deal if you, if you know you're going to lose him anyway? Travis Dermott though was like adamant that the Leafs didn't assure him a, a thing, and I I do kind of buy that. Like I I think if you're Travis Dermott and and the team is offering you a two year deal that's going to see you paid three million dollars, like at this point of your career you're probably going to accept that. It's not to say that he's without value or anything like that, but he's kind of at that point where, I hate to say it, like it could be the last NHL contract you ever get. So, you know, make it worth your while, and if the Leafs are throwing $3 million at you, you're going to take it, and whether or not that means you're moving in a few months, right? So, uh, or a few weeks, I guess. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty skeptical that they're going to protect him. I'm still sort of... Wondering if they're going to go the seven three and one route, but this does really, you know, raise your eyebrows and make you go, you know, they might go four and four. I uh, I like the contract. I think it's very good value. I like Travis Dermott. I think he's good. Um, my only issue with the contract is that uh, if they're going to be paying him a million five, he needs to be given more opportunity this season. He can't be on the third pairing playing ten twelve minutes a night because. Uh, this scratched in the playoffs. This this yeah. was the worst season he's ever had in his career by a lot. I thought, and uh, I think a lot of that was because he wasn't playing a lot. You know, Bogosian and him played well, but Dermot was making a lot more mistakes that he I don't think has made in years previous. Really, like I just I would watch him every night, and it just he he was pissing me off. So uh, I would like to see him get more minutes. That's that's my point, right? Is he? I he had a bad year, so we should play him more. Well, he had a, and he, had, he had a big <laughs> dip in minutes too. Like that's per, what I'm saying. You know, like per ice time, yeah. he he was down big compared to yeah. what he was the first three years in yeah. Toronto. So well, there, again, there were a lot of minutes. There were a few minutes or a few nights this year he didn't crack ten minutes. Yeah, and that's very low for a defenseman. So I want to see him get more opportunity, and I'm hoping that that's something that Sheldon Keefe will afford him is the opportunity to play. Uh, but if not. You know, this is kind of setting a million and a half in cap space on fire on a team that really needs it. So because you you know you've you've got Muzzin, who, yeah, uh, he's still fine. Yeah, I'm 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 thinking the aging curve is coming soon, but oh, it's or, it's come, but yeah. it's still he's still fine. Uh, you got Morgan Riley for now. Uh, a lot of talk about him on the move. T.J. Brody, I don't think he's going anywhere based on how he Dear played last know. season. Uh, Justin Hall is the other name. That's that's on that back end that you got to look at in terms of where does he fit in the lineup because mm-hmm. he's shown some brilliance and he, he plays really well with Jake Muzzin. But when Jake Muzzin wasn't in the lineup, 
you didn't have the same Justin Hall out there. Right. And it, it became pretty evident that uh, Jake Muslin was probably doing a lot of the heavy lifting for Justin Hall. And that mm-hmm. you could probably, to a degree, slide anybody up next to Jake Muzzin and get pretty similar yeah. results. So Tra- Travis Dermott does a lot of the little things well that Justin Hall does. Yeah. He's just not really asked to play that role. Uh, I mean, it'd be they'd be slow, but I think they'd be better than people think. Like if they re-sign Bogosian and put him aside Muzzin, I don't think that would be the end of the world. Uh, you know, or even Lilligren would work fine there for me. So yeah. Yeah, I think they have options at least. And uh, unfortunately, as, as happy as I was, was with Justin Hall a lot of the year, um, you are right. There were moments where it became very clear that yeah, this guy's not essential, you know. Yeah, and and to his discredit, I guess uh, Travis Dermott is five years younger, and he's going to have mm-hmm. the team control in a few years. In the end of this contract, he's still going to be an RFA, you know. So you, you've got that control on on the player at that point in his career. Mm-hmm. And with Justin Hall, how much are, more are you going to get out of a twenty nine year old that for most of his career? was never an NHL player. So, mm-hmm. I like the guy. I, I wish him the best, but I don't, I don't know if he's here long in, in, for the future, so to speak. Hall? Yeah. Yeah. Gary Bettman and Ron McLean. Uh, these two guys do a, a yearly interview uh, every year during the Stanley Cup Finals. And it's good to see you again. <laughs> isn't it always, <laughs> yes. That's great. That was so funny. Mr. Commissioner, uh, I too am looking for a place to happen, and uh, you, you know, like just the two, the two most. I can barely like, hear you there, six yeah. feet apart. Eh? Like that's the most. That was the most awkward sign off I've ever seen. It was great. The the two like these 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 people are like oil and water in my mind. Like they, they do not mix. <laughs> yeah. And every year, the network forces them to get in a room oh, together, yeah. sit down, and have a discussion. Hey, even like. Even Ron McLean's old adage of like I don't trust anyone who doesn't drink. Like if even if you put them in a cabin with the fire burning, I guarantee you they couldn't even agree on what alcohol to drink. Like that's how much I just oh. don't see these guys even like Gary Bettman. Gary Bettman would request a tempered water, and yeah, Ron McLean would not be able to provide a hot buttered rum or something. <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, Bettman, the commissioner, and uh, Hagenet in Canada's Ron McLean sat down. And uh, I've spelled both their names wrong. In <laughs> yeah, well, I just noticed that. You've only been spelling them for fucking your entire life. <laughs> 30 years. So, yeah. uh, two guys that have been in the game longer than I've been alive. Mm-hmm. Um, they did the shtick again this year. They got in the room. They sat down. They did the dance. Um, this, this time, as you mentioned, six feet apart. A lot was made of the fact that Ron McLean did not bring up the uh, the topic of the uh, Chicago Blackhawks uh, sexual assault scandal that is ongoing. I, I guess, like, I want to get your input specifically because I, I, I kind of voiced my opinion uh, on social media and I don't recall oh. seeing anything from you, but just where where you kind of came down on, on the divisiveness of, of do you ask the, the commissioner about this when you have the opportunity do you not ask the commissioner about this did the commissioner specifically state beforehand that we weren't going to talk about it at all um, yeah you're, you're Ron McLean do you ask the question if I am yeah I do but I'd have no problem with Ron McLean not to be honest with you um 
yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's a tough one, but like here here's why I have a little bit of sympathy with it. There, there's two things to it. Is is first off, you know, it's an ongoing legal investigation, and even the parties not involved need to be careful what they do or don't say about it. Uh, you you know what I mean? You can't be putting words in other people's mouth, kind of thing. Um, you know, and um, I think it, it's difficult for Ron McLean to perhaps go out there and ask a question about something that he is also not privy to all the information. Um, you know, it's it's very difficult because the the topic of the investigation, like this, this conversation could go so far in about 10 seconds. And if you don't know all the facts, things are going to get a little bit messy is, is my problem there. So that's my, that's my first thing. My second thing though, um, and it's related to that first thing is just like, like I, I sort of sympathize with the way that, you know, lawyers have to look at everything and, you know, to some degree there needs to be some level of black and white. And I think with this organize, uh, with this investigation, there is there's very clearly wrongdoing doing on the part of the Blackhawks, but starting to suggest where the wrongdoing begins and ends is the problem. You know what I mean? There's clearly some malfeasance there, but whether or not it's something that Gary Bettman can even speak to at this point, I think is the problem. And my problem is that if Ron McLean asks the question. And gets a, um, you know, a, a prepared statement type answer from Gary Bettman and doesn't pry further, that looks 20 times worse mm-hmm. to me. So I, I buy it when Ron McLean says that he thought about it and that he decided at the moment not to make the, the um, not to ask the question. And, you know, rightly or wrongly, like I sympathize with it because that is part of the reason why you and I don't speak about it every week is because... We're kind of just waiting to see, once we know enough, you know what I mean, what there is to say and what there isn't to say, because there's just so much right now that we don't know, uh, and that we're probably not going to know, you know? Definitely. Yeah. Um, That's a great point. Like, I didn't really take it into account. Like, obviously, I, I do realize it's an ongoing investigation, so... That's that's definitely a factor. How much can you really say to begin with? But for for me, I, I think it was just uh, very naive of a lot of people to assume that, like every interview that you watch, there there is molding to whether it's live or not. You you go into it with an expectation, and and sometimes you don't you don't get your expectation. Sometimes someone says something or asks a question that you don't see coming or that you didn't mm-hmm. want to talk about and then you have to react and uh we we were recording last week during the interview and i almost stopped you and said let's pause the recording because i want to hear this mm-hmm. and i'm kind of glad i didn't and i still haven't watched the interview but like you're right like it very much felt like it was a little bit more was said between the two of them before they went on air than Definitely. most years. I think most yeah. years Gary puts his mic on and 15 seconds later they start talking. Yeah. I got the vibe from what I did see that they had had a conversation prior to the interview. Because you know, to Gary, some degree. Because Gary Bettman had his sit down with the media before game one of the series and uh, addressed some of the, the allegations. And again, we got the, whether you like it or not, the, generic answer the answer that he has to give about how it's an ongoing investigation we're exploring all the angles and 
that's the black and light and white of it, right? Like that's that's all you can really say at this point. So if Gary Bettman's you know side of the the team comes to Sportsnet and says, "Hey, so you guys probably want to talk about this," well, I can tell you what the answer is already. Here it is. Ask it if you want, but you're not going to get anything more than this. Mm-hmm. And it was probably word for word the exact same answer they got a week prior at that first sit down. So, mm-hmm. yeah, if you're Ron McLean and and you and you want to say that yeah he should have asked the question, and you're mad that he didn't ask the question, I'm not going to say that you're wrong to feel that way, as long as you realize that you weren't going to get any more information than than yeah. what you already had. You know. Yeah. So, I. I personally, if I'm in Ron McLean's shoes, would have would have pride. Like as much as I'm defending his decision not to, I do think that he has a certain level of pull that you know maybe a lot of other broadcasters don't. And I think for him to go and do it would have spoke volumes more than anything else, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so if it were me, but like I completely understand that he's he has a career to worry about. It's just like my thought on it and my approach to journalistic integrity is that I would rather go out guns blazing than, you know, fading out kind of thing in a moment of weakness. Not to say that that's exactly what happened with Ron McLean, but it's disappointing, but I completely understand why he wouldn't because it's a slippery slope for sure. Uh, It's one of those things, like, not to get too much into the actual investigation, but just like I think a lot of people don't realize... Like, the people who who realize how important this is almost don't realize how big the implications are, though. It's just that, you know, we need to know who exactly knew what and did what because uh, we need those people out of the game. And to bring those people out of the game is going to completely upend, like, a third of the National Hockey League overnight. Like... Montreal Canadiens are going to need to hire a new general manager and probably clean house. The Winnipeg Jets are going to have to probably do the exact same thing. The Florida Panthers are going to need to find a new coaching staff. There might even be issues with that front office then too if they're hiring Joel Quenville and like, like this opens up Joel Talon came from after, Chicago, I believe as well. Door yeah. after door. Well, I don't think he's there anymore though. Oh, is he not? I thought he, I I thought they bumped him upstairs. But. Maybe yeah, exactly. Kicked kicked him upstairs. That's right. Um. You know what I mean, though? There's just, like, this is going to... This is arguably going to push back the NHL season bad. Like, that's how bad this could get. So, Gary Bettman needs to be careful when he's going to go about doing these things because he can't just go firing people every day and, like... They need to know everything that happened. And it's going to take time to figure that out. That's the unfortunate part. Mm -hmm. You know? It'd be nice to see blood right now but like it doesn't work that yeah way. and let's let's not kid ourselves here this this is at the end of the day the national hockey league a league that still to this day has not penalized in any way bill peters for what he did yeah. so you know we we might not see anything come of it rightly or wrongly you know like a couple heads might roll and that might be the end of it honestly whether that's the right it's, decision or not. It's interesting because I think it's past the point now where it's just going to go away like some other things in the past have. I remember someone was talking about it this week and I thought about uh, like a story that had come up within the last few years how we just don't talk about it anymore kind of thing and it was like gone immediately. It might have been the Bill Guerin thing with, with Pittsburgh. Well, not Bill Guerin directly, but the whole 
that assistant coach that sexually assaulted Jared Scald's wife kind of thing when they were coaching together. Like, yeah. That that more or less went away, and Bill Guerin's just doing peachy keen in, in Minnesota sort of thing. And, you know, like, that was one thing, because it was, like, an article and a couple tweets, and then it just kind of went away. But, like, this is now... People who were on the team are saying things, and, like... like you know, like, there's no way to look at it and be like, well, this didn't happen tomorrow. Like, this, something clearly happened when we need to figure out exactly what went down. And um, the NHL's at a point now where they're going to have to speak to it to some degree. You know, it's it's, it's not going away, so. Definitely. Um, lastly, uh, should note that the NHL's uh, buyout window has opened, mm-hmm. uh, officially, starting on Friday. And uh, when we had the Vegas expansion draft, we saw a few notable names get bought out then to, for teams positioning themselves to, to protect certain guys. Um, give, me, give me one name that you expect to, to get a, a buyout uh, in, in the next week or Sheesh. so. Well, Duncan Keith would be one. Duncan but, uh, Keith would be one. <laughs> no, that's, that's not going to happen. Uh, ooh, that's going to get bought out. Hmm. Because we haven't had anybody yet. It's, it's been almost uh, yeah. almost 30, 72 hours and uh, nothing has come. But I got a I got a feeling that there's going to be a few guys uh, maybe coming on the pipeline here. So yeah, hmm. I don't know. That's a tough one. Like uh, one one for me that would be like I wouldn't have to think twice about it. Kind of thing um, would be uh, Louis Erickson hmm. in Vancouver. Like, why, why did why did we both go to Vancouver? There's <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's well, there's one year left at six mil, right? So. Um, you know, that's going to work out to about $4 million in cap space if they buy him out. And, like, that's a team that desperately needs it. As of right now, like, they've still got to re-sign Quinn Hughes. And they uh, need to get some good players on the team still. So, uh, that that would be one team for sure where I think you would see something. I feel like San Jose will probably buy someone out. I don't know if it's going to be uh, a huge name or anything like that. But that's another team that could use some cap space where um, the whole idea of maybe the core bouncing back seems to have... You know, that conversation seems to have faded, and it looks like this team is cooked. So, uh, that might be another one, but but specific names, I don't know. Like, I feel like there aren't as many, like, outwardly terrible free agent contracts like there were 10 years ago, where, like, this guy is, like, not even close to an NHL player sort of thing. I feel like all the bad contracts right now are guys where it's just like, yeah, they're bad, but their team's going to pretend they're good. Mm. So, it's like, whatever, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um... Yeah, that that's a tough one. I I could see <sighs> like Lucic would have been a name. Lucic, but he had, but he had a good year, and he's yeah. waved his no movement and every all that shit. So like he's he's like I wouldn't buy him out. Like I'd keep him if I'm Calgary, to be honest with you. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, he's not worth the buyout at this point. Uh, James Neal was a guy that came to mind for me. Oof. Um, I don't know. I don't know if they have to buy him out. In, in, in one sense, because, you know, maybe they get lucky and, and Seattle goes after him. But if Seattle passes, I, I could see them trying to buy out James Neal after the fact. But that doesn't really answer the question I posed, which was before the expansion draft. So, yeah. um, him, you know, and like Kevin Hayes comes to mind. Uh, no movement clause, long-term, big money contracts, uh, flat cap wasn't flat when they signed the deal. 
Uh, I think a lot of people in that organization probably felt that you know this deal's going to be bad for a couple of years, and then it might get better if the cap goes I up. Like, yeah, I don't. I don't think he's been bad enough though. Like he had a thirty-one no. point year. Like he, he's but he's not. He's seven fine there. Two million. No, but the problem is with a deal that long is you pay them you pay twice the length. Yeah. So that like if they buy him out. They are paying Kevin Hayes until 2035 or something like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I don't, and it, and it at a decent amount. Like it's going to be like two and a half against the cap. Like that deal's almost too bad or too big to buy out. And like honestly, if I'm the Flyers, I don't even know if he's the most like you know a higher salaried guy. Like I don't know if For he's sure. the first yeah. one that I'd buy out even yeah. to be honest with you. So. Uh, quickly, before we talk about the Stanley Cup Finals, just want to get out there. The uh, Toronto Blue Jays uh, just drafted uh, a guy by the name of uh, Gunnar Hoagland. I'm looking, right. I'm going to look into whether that's Jonas's son or not. Got to so, be. Yeah. Gunnar Hoagland. Gunnar, what a name for a pitcher. Here's a question. Yeah. What's the greatest name in the history of sports? Wow. Because I've, I've been adamant. I have two answers. Okay. Just right off the top of my head, and I've always said it, and I try to come up with more, but I, I don't think any two beat these two. Okay. Okay. For hilarity factor, plus rolling off the tongue, like it rolls off the tongue too, uh, there is a, ooh, what did he play? Safety, I think, in the NFL named Haha ha Clinton Dix. I don't know if you've ever heard of him. His mm-hmm. first name's Haha ha, because he's from, he's from Hawaii. So Sure. Uh, so, like, that, that to me it just rolls. But, like, also, like, Coco Crisp. Sure. You no, know, it's just something. Coco is a good one, and he was good. Like yeah. he was a good player. No, for sure. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Best name. Dick Trickle is Dick up there. Dick Trickle yeah. for hilar- again hilarity factor. Like uh, Tony. Tony Twist comes to mind for hockey. Tony Twist is good, especially because he had to like file a lawsuit yeah. because they used his name in a pornographic That's... hockey novel. <laughs> yeah. There's also Bob Beers. Bob Beers. Great Bob Beers is a good one name. too. Garth Snow. Hmm. You know, all things considered, for, for hockey, hockey yeah. you know. Yeah. Pretty good. That's a good hockey name. Yeah, yeah. This has been this has been. Remember some guys on the Laced Up Hockey Podcast. <laughs> name some guys. Names. Na- yeah. Name some guys as his names. This is, this is... Scooter McClanahan from the '30s. That guy was pretty good. You know, that's a good scooter. There. I mean, it, scoots. It, it's, they them. Scoots. It's crazy how good that fucking Giannis Antetokounmpo is too. Like that's his name. Yeah. That's the name of the best player in the league. Is that freaky? You know. That's cool. Um, we uh, we had a discussion last episode about uh, the Stanley Cup Finals and how the Tampa Lightning were up three to game to none on the Montreal Canadiens. And um, for the second time, I watched you sit here and tell me that the series was over and the Montreal Canadiens would not win, mm-hmm. um, only for the Montreal Canadiens to win. Um, well, in my defense this time, I think my exact words were, I don't know, it's over, who gives a fuck, or something. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I was uh, super on board with my opinion, but... Uh, they did go down in five, however, uh, losing back in Tampa Bay, just as good. the good mayor of Tampa wanted. Thank Christ. <laughs> um, it was re- it was really nice to see fans in the stands for a celebration though like that was it was cool that was great i i didn't i wouldn't have wanted to be there but you know it looked cool <laughs> that's for sure that's... yeah i want to know the vaccine rate on Ooh, everyone there <laughs> wow florida how you doing Did down you there you have Gamma? to provide paperwork when no you came kidding. in the door and was now, it all was it all the now how quickly do you think like the black market has picked up on the fake vaccination sheet uh, mm-hmm. game how really, much for a fake vaccination? Really, wouldn't be hard to just thing. fucking like Photoshop a letterhead onto a piece of paper and just be like, oh, it you know could I mean? be like, real easy. Yeah, there was a whole admissions scandal about. 
people playing sports they didn't play. I think people can That's figure right. out how to how to get a piece of paper in their pocket. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the Lightning champions back to back, the eighth franchise ever to do so. Uh, Brutes, can you tell me? The oh, other, God. Can you tell me the other seven? Jesus Christ, do I have to? No, we did it last week. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, eighth team to do it. I think we can maybe close the book on the idea that there was any luck involved in either of these Stanley Cups when it comes to the Lightning. Yeah. Like, there's an asterisk, but it's not for the reason people think it is. I think Tampa Bay was going to beat any team in the finals, the way that they were rolling. It didn't matter, didn't matter who they played. And, like, the whole thing is, too, is just, like, with with the whole discussion of, like, you know, maybe Montreal shouldn't have been there. But, like, if Toronto or Vegas were any fucking good, they would have won their series. Like, they should, it shouldn't even be an issue. Like, Vegas didn't even get to a game fucking seven against this team. So how good are those teams to begin with? You know what I mean? Like, is Montreal... How bad is Winnipeg? Is, so Montreal's either bad or good. Pick an argument, right? If they're good, then there's no asterisk. Then Tampa had to earn their way there. If they're bad, then how fucking good is anyone else really then? You know what I mean? Like, if, uh, it's a lazy argument that, that they... And, uh, God, and the whole asterisk thing drives me nuts too because no one fucking knows what an asterisk is. It doesn't have to take anything away. It's just a footnote. You know when you read fucking Wikipedia and there's footnotes on all the sentences? Yeah, that's all it is. It's just context. It doesn't have to fucking take away the accomplishment or anything like that. Put an asterisk every year. Who gives a shit? I don't care. Yeah. You know? I, stupid. And, uh, well, I don't I don't know if it's stupid for, for, for one reason, but it, it doesn't apply to the Tampa Lightning. And, and, and that being the, the, the season we played... Nobody like no team got to play every other team, so there there was that kind of sense that mm. did we get the best results? But Tampa doing it after doing it last year, I think, just proves that it didn't really matter how the season was structured this year. You were going to get Tampa as the champion. Maybe you get somebody else in the finals. Obviously, you don't have Montreal there because you don't have you know you have a Western Conference, but. Maybe, yeah, the Marbles fall a little differently. But I, I think we can finally kind of close the book here and say that Tampa Bay, regardless of who they played in the regular season, were probably going to end up here. They didn't win their division. They, you know what I mean? They didn't win the conference. No. But they were built the right way. They had the best playoffs. They won Last the year's the only year for me where it's just like, yeah, okay, maybe. Because, like, we didn't finish the season and, like, we had to play the bu- in the bubble and shit like that. But, like, Tampa still earned the Stanley Cup for me. Like, it's it's not like, you know... Oh well, what would have happened if so and so and blah blah blah? And it's like, yeah, but it didn't. Like, it, whatever. Like, but like, was it fair to maybe do everything the way we did it last year? Maybe not, because that's not what we agreed upon when the year started. Did we know there was going to be a global pandemic? Uh, no. And if you did, why didn't you say something? Uh, so you know, like this year though, like that's that's it's it's we all went into the season. These were the parameters. We all agreed to it. We all went in. We played the season out exactly how we were supposed to, and then that that this was the outcome. This is what we agreed to. So there's no reason this year... Any, no one can't say shit about this year, as far as I'm concerned. Last year, yeah, okay. But I don't really buy that. It's just, it's, you know... If it had been a 21st place team or something, maybe that's one thing where it's just like, you know... We need to understand maybe how they got there. But, like, eh, Tampa Bay, they were getting there anyway, I think. So, you know. So Tampa Bay gets there. They do the thing. They make they it back-to-back, yeah. right? Champa Bay, as it's known now. Fucking rights. 
three-peat next year? Is it in play? Can we can we start talking about next year, considering just on on the sheer volume of players this team is undoubtedly going to have to lose to get back under the salary cap? Yeah, I mean the the way the way I see it, they're going to have a minimum of five and a, and you know maybe around seven guys in the lineup next year where they weren't there this year. Um, you know, it's it's just simple math kind of thing. Like Tyler Johnson, to to some degree or another, is probably gone. Uh, you take a look on their on their blue line too. Like they're not going to be re, be re-signing David Savard probably. No. Uh, not because they wouldn't like him back, but just because you know, like they're going to have a new backup goaltender, someone. Um, you know, like it adds up quick, and and the whole thing is too is like Colton Ross needs a uh, uh, Ross Colton. Sorry, needs a new contract. He's an RFA. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And they, and that's the other thing too, right? Like you have your your R you you know Ross Colton's one thing, but like Barkley Goudreau and Blake Coleman, I I do not see how they're back. Yeah. And if they and if one of them is back, it probably means that like one of Alex Kalorn or Yanni Gord or Andre Pilat are gone, and it, I don't want any of those three gone. If I'm Tampa Bay, I want all three of them still. So, and you're losing someone for the expansion draft. Well, and that's the thing too. Like if Johnson's going, Johnson's probably getting traded there, and you know, by the way, we'll give you Alex Kalorn or some shit, or like, and if it's not a high salary guy, it's going to be Matthew Joseph or something. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like no matter what. No matter what, I think Seattle's going to get a couple guys from this team. And if they don't, they're going to get a high pick. But, like, Tampa's, you know, I, I, I would just trade a player at this point if I'm Tampa rather than a pick. But, um, yeah, no matter what, like, they're they're going to look different. There's there's no uh, there's no way around that. Um, is it in play? Like, yeah, of course it is. Like, the, this core is still going to be there. Um, you know, the the only real guy you got to worry about the aging right now, I think, is, is maybe, well, Hedman and Stamkos. But, like, I... I think Hedman's still going to be good enough that it's not going to really matter if he starts to decline. Stamkos is kind of an Ovechkin type where it's just like he's always going to have that shot. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. even if he slows down, it's kind of like, well, just put him on the top of the circle on the power play and he's just going to go to work, right? So, you know, but is it out there? Yeah, I, I definitely think it is. I, I think this team's very, very good. Um, we discussed how the Montreal Canadiens... Might not be making the playoffs next year. Yeah. We already talked about their 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 look ahead. Look, they entered the season. Uh, the, sorry, they, they entered the finals with a chance to uh, go 500 out of the year. They they came in at 36 and 37 overall. Uh, they did not achieve going 500 this year. Um, this is a bad hockey team, and I, I know we talked about it last <laughs> week. But uh, watching this team Just outwardly, <laughs> watching this team look, play like team. like 80 fucking games this year. Um, uh, yeah, they they were not good. Um, they fired Claude Julien, uh, a head coach that I, I think did a marvelous job with them the last couple of years, was one of the only reasons that they were off to a hot start to begin with. They fired him for some reason and brought in Dominic Ducharme, who I think we all kind of agreed at the time seemed like a, a guy that was going to eventually make his name in the NHL, and if the time's now, the time's now, and... Uh, he did not do very well for them the rest of the season and uh, didn't even show up to half the playoff games for uh, reasons outside of his own control. But Yeah, I'm sorry for that. Don't, um, don't blame him for that. But, like, this, this team seems to be at such a, a, a weird crossroad. Now you've got Mark Bergevin, who's uh, going to be extended, or already has. I'm not sure how 
the, the, the paperwork Doesn't works at, at that level. Uh, Dominic Ducharme is going to be the head coach, rightly or wrongly, uh, after having, by all accounts, a, a pretty bad season as a head coach. And it's they're not getting any younger. Uh, they've got a couple of young guys that look promising. Is that enough to to lead them back to the playoffs? Again, we talked about it. I, I don't I don't see it working out for them. But just I guess instead of repeating ourselves from last week, let let's talk about how you remember this year's Montreal Canadiens. Was this an underdog story for the ages, or was this just? a product of the environment that they were placed in and they got the right lucky bounces at the right lucky time and sometimes that's hockey. Yeah. Well, you know, here's how I remember the Montreal Canadiens, you know, is I think this is just going to go down as one of the all-time great runs, you know, and and we're just going to really, really just in 20 years look back fondly on this group of star players Paul Byron. Joel Edmondson, Jake Allen, um, and this team definitely will not age poorly. <laughs> um, how? No, but how do I actually remember? I don't, I don't know. It's a cool little run. Um, I th- I think there's a possibility here. Uh, I don't know if it's going to happen with Mark Bergevin, but there's a possibility here because they do have some good young players. Uh, I don't know that some of them are as good as people think they are, but, uh, like, Cole Caulfield fucking kicks ass. He's going to be really, really fucking good. And there's a possibility that in five years, Montreal is here again with, a you know, fingerprints of this team. You know, Kakanyemi, maybe, uh, uh, Suzuki, Romanov. And we look at this team and it's like, wow, that was, that was what taught them to win kind of thing at a young age. Like, maybe we look back at like that, but, like, I think maybe they get there on their own and that this run isn't going to have as much to do with their success in the future as people maybe want to look at. I, I, I don't know, but, um, I don't know. It's it's hard it's hard to really say how you make of this team. Like, put it this way, to me, they're more of the asterisk to this cup final than the Lightning are. Like, the Lightning winning versus the... Habs being there, but I wouldn't even really give them the one either. I just like they are the one. They are the part of the final that feels weird to me. Um, Montreal. This is a team where I, I think again next year I don't I don't see them as a as a playoff team. But to your credit, like the, the young guys, I think they take something away from this year. I, I think that they've the more playoff games you can play in a year, the more you can exactly the more you can learn. And I could I could see this team, you know, 2023, 2024. Maybe the Boston Bruins are coming back to earth at that point. Montreal Canadiens can kind of step <laughs> yeah, in. Yeah, I, I got news like, for you, James. The Bruins are never coming back to earth. We keep betting on it. It's it's not going to happen. Patrice Bergeron's kid is going to be the captain of this team in their fucking 37th straight playoff appearance. Look, we all said the exact same thing about the Detroit Red Wings once. And we've... <laughs> We've already yeah, watched. But that went for like twenty something years. Do we have another like fifteen years of Boston? Then we've already watched Boston's Nick from leave, and he's still playing <laughs> somewhere else. And it's we're just yeah. waiting for Pavel Datsuk two to retire in in Bergeron. So okay, Not yeah, a terrible comparison. Thank you. Are you saying Tuukka Rask is Chris Osgood? Hmm. 
Jimmy, yeah, they never really had a goalie. It's, uh, yeah, hard. That's a harder. And I, I can't even go with the Dominic Hasek route either because he's neither of those. No. Um, but no, I, I could see Montreal kind of getting back into the contender threat range in in, in 2023, maybe 2024. And uh, it's possible for any team, though. Definitely. I could see almost any team. Look, there. in, in Buffalo, five years, not, anything can happen, right? right? And any year or the next, honestly. But. I don't know. I, I thought it was cool. I I'm, I had a really fun time um, watching some friends that cheer for this team have a good time along the way. Sure. Like, good for them. That's that's cool. Um, again, I've never seen a team win a championship, so I don't know what that feeling is like. So There was something with the run, though, for Habs fans, because like the ones that I knew were all smart enough to know that this team wasn't very good. And so, like, it felt like they were all watching it with, like, a small percentage of pain still. Hmm. Where it's just like, I know we're not going to win the cup, but it's like, this is cool. And it just kind of kept going, and they're like, yeah, but this is not going to be good. And then, like, after they, like, put it, I have two Habs fans in a group chat, and, like, after game one, they were just like, this is not going to be good. <laughs> like, they're like, this is going to be bad. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know? So... Happy for them to some degree, but also happy that they're out of their misery, I guess, perhaps. Uh, in 20 years, my favorite... Uh, Thank you, Sarah McLaughlin. My favorite thing to see on Hockey Reference is going to be going back to the uh, Stanley Cup Finals and, and seeing the attendance numbers for the uh, you know, 17,000 in Game <laughs> 2. 3,000 for, for Game... What the hell happened there? Yeah. Um, it is going to be funny in like 20 years to read uh, things on the internet, if that's still a thing, and uh, talk about how... like. Just for a year and a half, everything was just fucked. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you're gonna everything. It's gonna be like, oh yeah, well, I, here's the Oscars, and why, why? Why was it in April that year? Oh well, and no one was there. Oh, because uh, uh, the pandemic. You know, there was a little pandemic there. Yeah, I can't wait for our generation to be like in our 60s and the the youths then being like, why, why do these people use so much fucking hand sanitizer? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> just you yeah. wait. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone's wearing masks still. Like, why do you do that? It's like, well, you'll see. It's a habit. I haven't had a cold in 40 years. It's it awesome. Feels, feels right. Yeah. Uh, Andre Vasilevsky wins the Conn oh, Smythe oh. tr- Trophy. Never mind. Um, for the Tampa Lightning. Um, some discussion as to whether or not Nikita Kucherov <laughs> perhaps should have won it. Uh, <laughs> second funny. Second season leading the, uh, the postseason in scoring. Um, goes to Vasilevsky. I, I think a very... Uh, worthy candidate for the award. Uh, that stat about him having a shutout in every series clinching game yeah. this season was pretty insane. Not just this season. goes back to last year. Oh, yeah? Their last five series wins were on a Vasilevsky shutout. That's... That's fucking awesome. That's pretty cool. <laughs> that's really cool. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, so he takes it home. Um, do, you, do you think there was some snubbing going on here for Cooch? Uh, the, the voters maybe saying this, this guy maybe doesn't deserve to be playing at all. So if I knew where the what the voting was, I would say I would say no. Like for all we know, it was super fucking close, right? And yeah, I like I would have voted for Vasilevsky, but were there guys out there that maybe would have given it to Kucherov and instead gave it to Vasilevsky because you know what I mean? They didn't want to have that conversation. Like that's possible. That that's possible. Vasilevsky would have been my would have been my vote for sure. But you know, like there is the other conversation too, where it was just like he didn't get as much toward the end, and I get why he was getting it in the conference final. But like everyone was like, oh well. Also, Braden Point. It's like he's like eleven points behind Kucherov at the time. Like it's 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 Kucherov. Like it's if it's any player off the team, it's Kucherov. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And like um, 
I think there might be a little bit to the whole... Uh, uh, like, there's obviously a slight anti-Russian bias, I think, when it comes to some of these things when the voting comes out. But uh, it was between two Russians, by all accounts, so that's fine this year. But everyone was talking about point there for a while. It's like, yeah, he scores clutch goals, I get it. But, like, if he didn't score them, someone else probably would have. So, I don't know. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, I like point, but... Eh. Uh, two, five shutouts this this postseason alone for Vasilevsky. He only had the one uh, last playoffs. Um, how many how many shutouts would you venture to guess is the all time leader for uh, a goalie in the playoffs? Like an individual goalie through their career, yeah. or in one postseason? No, sorry, yeah, for the career. Uh last thirty years. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, Brodeur would be the obvious answer, but it seems like you're asking me for a reason, so maybe not Brodeur, but I'll go Brodeur. 24. Okay. Only 24. I was kind of surprised. Like, Vasilevsky's already got six. Who's two? Patrick Wall at 23. Who's three? In far fewer games, it is Curtis Joseph. So that... Yeah. Tied with Marc-Andre Fleury. Where's Bell for? Uh, he is ninth with 14. He had three in one fucking series for the Leafs one year. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. Because I, mean, I thought about Belfour there. I'm like, well, he was on good teams, but he was also on some not good teams. So. Chris Osgood can thank uh, 14 of his 15 playoff shoutouts on uh, the back of Nick Lidstrom. Hey, yeah. um, the fifth one or the last one was because they were playing the the Flyers or whatever. Yeah. That year they were bad. Something like that, yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, speaking of Nikita Kucherov, he, uh, he did a little interview after uh, oh. the Tampa Lightning won the Stanley Cup. I don't know if you caught that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Tell me more, sir. Um, John Smith. Uh, John, Joe Smith. Joe Smith. From The Athletic there, here. the Tampa Lightning. Uh, here we go, Joe. Uh, <laughs> here we go, Joe. Um, Let's hear it, Joe. Asked uh, Kucherov to uh, explain his feelings on, on winning the Stanley Cup back-to-back and, and what, the, what the season would have meant to him. And we got one of the uh, greatest fucking player interviews of, of mm-hmm. my lifetime, anyway. It was good. Um, and then, of course, with anything, everybody had to go online and bitch uh, about it and talk about the worst how. Sport. Um, yeah, you know what? I'm, I'm gonna I'm, for for a rare change. I know she doesn't listen to this. I'm gonna blast my girlfriend because she was one of those people Ooh. complaining about the Kucherov. Well, he shouldn't make fun of those nice Montreal players. They did their best. They showed up. Have some class. Be professional. And I was like, yeah. He's, then you just yeah. get the same three answers every every year then. So, fuck, fuck the Montreal Canadiens. Yeah, get the she's, fuck out of here. She's never gotten mouthy when she's drinking. Um, <laughs> um, no, you know what? Uh, there, there, There is a... I will say... 3% of your take from what you should take away from that should be a little bit of, yes, there is something to winning gracefully, for sure, okay? But why? But, <laughs> here's my problem. If you don't want to get talked about like that, then win the fucking game! You didn't win! You lost! So go home! Fuck off! You're done now! Your, your moment's over. Shut the fuck up. Like, I, I, I... I just don't believe in that, honestly. Like, I guess that's what I'm saying. It's just like, I think when you win, do whatever you want. You won. Say whatever you want. Who cares? As long as you're not fucking... Season's over. As long as you're not being, you know, 
problematic or anything like that. Just say whatever the fuck you want. Who cares? I'm because in every other sport, these guys win and they say hilarious shit and there's always something cool. You know what I mean? Like, baseball, you've got how many examples of, like, a cool celebration? Like, the first one that comes to mind, because it's my team, there's Papelbon smoking the cigar and drinking the beer on the mound, like, 40 seconds after they've won, wearing fucking shades. It's like, where do you get all that shit so quick? You know what I mean? And that was, like, a cool thing. He's being all drunk in his interviews, and everyone's like, ah, Jonathan Papelbon, and that guy had literal endorsements and shit for years, and everyone was like, this guy's out like a folk hero, because of that one celebration. Good for him, that's fucking awesome. You got all these other sports where these guys do cool ass shit when the game's over. And the hockey, Canadian women's hockey team winning the gold medal. Ho- hockey, we get smoking, one, drinking beers. We get the, one yeah. thing yeah. ever, and we we have to fucking argue about this. Mm. Like every year is boring. This was my favorite in a cakewalk for my favorite Stanley Cup celebration of all time. Was this year that I've watched? That that was the best one I've seen. Other than Bork getting the cup, this was my favorite thing. It was awesome. I almost turned it off immediately. I wa- I sat there watching this team for like an hour afterwards. You know what I mean? It was great. Um, I'll say this: like the, the the thing that bugged me more with the Kucherov interview um, than the that he was comments, drinking Bud Light. Eh? No. Yeah, me too. Uh, than the comments about the Montreal Canadiens was like it. It did kind of irk me a little bit that he just so dismissively kind of forgot Mark Andre Fleury's name. Um, it's it's one thing to like you know sit there and say that your goalie should have won the Vesna, and that's fine. Like every every fucking player thinks that his goalie's the best and that they should have won the Vesna, and it's okay to say that. But to just kind of just like ah that guy on Vegas, it's like oh come on come on man. Like let's, I know you won. I know yeah, you're drunk. Yeah, and that well that that was the thing too is like I don't know how much of that was just him just not caring at that point, but like there needs to be some. Sort of a, yeah, I get that. That's that's fair. That that bugged me more. Than that was one of the only shit. ones. But like, it was just like, even in that moment, I was just like, ah, whatever. Like, you know what I mean? You just who cares? Yeah, I guess. Um, I wanted to ask you something else uh, about about the fucking lightning and, and and all the oh John Cooper, John Cooper and his comments about uh, all I did was stand there and chew gum on the bench. That was pretty fucking cool. I liked that a lot. I love John Cooper. Montreal fans hated that. I loved that comment. That was great. Why? Uh, dis- disrespecting the team like that. Come on, a lot of hard work to beat us. Was it a lot of hard work to beat that's you guys? John Co- that's, that's called being humble. That wasn't bragging. That was <laughs> well. him just, like... Everyone realizes this team would not be nearly as good without John Cooper, right? Like, we don't need to explain oh, that. Probably. John Cooper's, like, a very important part of this team. Kind 31 of, thing. of the 32 teams know that. Yeah, like, we don't need to sit here and pretend that that's John Cooper fucking being an asshole. That's, like, yeah, there were a lot of people saying that, too. It's like, shut the fuck up. You know what I mean? Like, oh my god. That's that's John Cooper being humble and being like, oh, you know, congratulations to my guys. They did all the hard work. I'm sorry that John Cooper is a little more articulate than all the other fucking coaches you're used to that only know about 48 words kind of thing. Like, I'm so sorry that he's Michael Keaton, you know. Literally. Yeah. That, that's that's who's going to play John Cooper in the uh, made-for-TV movie, The Lightning Strikes Twice. Big time. Um... <laughs> made-for-TV movie. What the fuck happened to Michael Keaton? It's a big name. Yeah, made maybe for, in the nineties he'd be doing made for TV movies. We're on made in two here. Made for Netflix TV. Um, yeah, that's better. So that's the, that's it. That's the end of the twenty twenty one season. We're done. Uh, I've been James Cole. We'll uh, we'll see you later. No, um, Jesus Christ. We we did a little exercise before the season started, January fourteenth, twenty twenty one. I got the time date right here in front of me. It was eleven oh six a.m. What what the hell we were doing a podcast that early for? Couldn't tell you. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Sean McIndoe, uh, we've we've mentioned this guy before, uh, a writer we both uh, do enjoy over at the Athletic. He put a little a uh, little competition together, and um, uh, how it worked is that he gave up. Uh, what was it here? How many questions was it? It was uh, it was eight questions, and uh, you you filled in up to five answers per question, and you got. Escalating points for for as many questions as you got right, uh, up to fifteen per per category. Mm-hmm. With the catch that if you got one wrong, you lost all the points collectively. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm happy to report, brutes, that uh, no one that participated in the athletic uh, scored any points. <laughs> there there was not a one. Um, Did we score any points? Well, we're about to find out. Oh, we're gonna we're gonna sit down here. We're gonna go. I no think, one scored any points. Nobody. What? There, there was <laughs> the there fuck? was one team that ruined it for everybody. Okay, so Montreal. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so yeah, we're gonna we're gonna go through this. We 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 touched on these at the halfway point just to kind of update where we were sitting, how we were feeling. Um, so let, let's get into it. Uh, Brutes, name up to five teams that will definitely make the playoffs this year. All right. Do you remember your answers? No. No. Uh, you said the Colorado Avalanche. This was years ago. The Tampa Bay Lightning. Mm-hmm. The Vegas Golden Knights. The Washington Capitals. And the Philadelphia Flyers. Oh, God damn it. So that's, that's, that's not a for you. Uh, I went Avalanche, Lightning, Knights, Maple Leafs. And Philadelphia Flyers. So, Jesus Christ, we are off to a bad start. Those fucking bums. All right, yeah. Uh, name up to five teams that will definitely not make the playoffs. Okay. Um, do you remember what you told no, me? No, no, no. I think Minnesota might have been one of them. Oh, uh, well, you only gave me three answers for this one. Ooh, yeah. You you didn't have to go give me all five. You you can stop at any point. Uh, you went with the Ottawa Senators, the Detroit Red Wings, and the. Giving us a scare at the beginning there, Chicago Blackhawks. All right. So, there you go. So, I registered points? One, two, three, four, five, six. You got six points. So, I did better than everyone. There you go. <laughs> should have entered this. Yeah. What would I have gotten? Would I have no Sean idea. I don't, I, don't, me a, I don't think a he, Maybe his book that you already own. That's true. Yeah. Um, I went with <laughs> the uh, Senators, the Red Wings, the Blackhawks, the Kings, and the Sabres. Okay. So, I got the full 15. Wow. Yeah. So, we would have... Wow. Yeah. Wow. I don't understand how no one got this category. I, I'm trying to think yeah, why, of what, what team ruined it. Well, Montreal, maybe. Probably Montreal. For some teams, anyway, yeah. cocky Leaf fans and yeah. shit. Yeah, weird. Hmm. Uh, Brutes, we asked uh, both of us to name up to five coaches that will definitely not be fired or otherwise leave their job oh, before yeah, the know. first day of 2021 free agency. I didn't do too well here. Not including any coach who was hired to their current job after January 1st, 2020. I lost this one. Do uh, you remember your answers? Uh, I know one of them. Uh, the first name you gave me was Claude Julien. Yeah, I felt so, pretty good about that, too. Uh, John Cooper, Jared Bednar, Sheldon Keefe, and Craig Barube. Sharube. Were the others. Now, does it count if I said Claude Julien wasn't going to get fired, but they fired him anyway, but they literally didn't change anything that he does uh, after they got fired? They kept, they kept all his playbooks. They literally they did him. everything the same? Yeah. Like, do, do I get partial credit there? No. Oh, okay, because no. I think I should. Uh, I went with John Cooper, Sheldon Keefe, Jared Bednar, and uh, Jeff Ward. Oh boy! So oh boy! Yeah. 
did yeah. not extend my lead on that one. Question four was uh, name up to five GMs that will definitely not be fired or otherwise leave their job before the first day of 2021 free agency, not including uh, any GM hired to their current job. So there's still some time, but we, we should be twenty. We should be in the clear. We should right be in now. the clear here. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you went with uh, Julien Brisebois. I think he he's going to stick around. I, I think, think they like him. Yeah, they, they like him there. Uh, Joe Sackick. Yep. Kevin like Shevel Dayoff. Which, depending on how certain well, we investigations go, I think you have time. We have time. And Kelly McCrimmon. Okay. So you did good there. I got points. Yeah. Well, got, not um, yet, but I'm on two, my three, pace for four, points. Five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Uh, you got ten. You gotta send Sean an email and tell him we did we did well. <laughs> you now have the lead. Okay. Uh, I went with uh, Julien Brisebois, mm-hmm. uh, Joe Sackick, mm-hmm. Kyle Dubas, mm-hmm. and uh, Ron Francis in a nice little uh, <laughs> nice little game you of uh, son of a bitch you. Hole. you so son of a gun. I also accumulated ten points there, and I'm back in the lead. Congrats. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, number five was uh, name up to five goaltenders who will definitely start at least 60% of their team's regular season games this year. So i got to break out the hockey reference page here to get our exact percentages. And there were how many games this season? 56? 56, 56 yeah. in the season? Okay. Yeah. All right. Is there uh, yeah, There it is. All right. Let's do this. Uh, your answers were uh, Connor Hellebuck and Andre Vasilevsky. And that was it. That's all you felt good. Mm-hmm. With so Vasilevsky, let's 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 look it up here. Over fifty percent of their team's games. What Over sixty. Sixty. Vasi did. At least sixty percent. He he started forty-two of the fifty-six games. I I, I assume that's. I'll, I'll, I think that's seventy-five. I'll, I'll, I'll get the calculator anyway. Okay, I think I think it's seventy-five. Seventy-five percent. Yeah. You're, you're doing real good. Your, yeah. your math skills are on par. It's so. not bad. Yeah. Well. Oh, not Hellbuck. Hellabuck. 42 goes into... Yeah. yeah. Uh, Connor Hellbuck started more games than Andre Vasilevsky, so you're, you're, you're good I'm on good. both counts. Right. So that's uh, three points to you, sir. Okay. Okay. I went with uh, four goalies. I, I had Hellebuck, so that's that's correct. I went with uh, Tuka Rask, okay. whom I'm, I'm not feeling too great about because I think he was hurt at one point. Tuka Rask started just 24 uh, games this season for so I'm in the, lead. the Boston Bruins. Uh, you are not in the lead. Uh, Aren't I? Because you got it wrong. I got it wrong, so I got no points, but mm. I was mm. already so far ahead of you. But I don't get enough, yeah. yeah. Uh, my other goalies were John Gibson and Mackenzie Blackwood. Okay. So I think I did both. I think both of those guys probably had about 60%. Probably. So. I feel like you did all right there. Uh, oh, Blackwood? Maybe not. Uh, maybe. Hard know, to say. hard to say. Number six was uh, name up to five rookies who will definitely finish in the top ten of Calder voting this year. Okay. Top ten. Uh, you gave oh, me... Oh, boy. <laughs> you gave me the Calder winner, Kirill Kaprizov. Yeah. All right. Uh, your other uh, three finalists... Let me pull up the, the fucking uh, balloting here. Yeah. I can tell you I didn't uh, didn't do it. Mm. All right, your other uh, you, so yeah, you had Kaprizov, he did win. Yeah, you had Timmy Stutzla. Okay, he finished ninth. That's that's surprisingly low, but all right. You had Niels Hoglander. Yeah, he finished eighth. Yep. And uh, you remember your other guy? I would assume Lafreniere. Uh no, 
Gabe Velarde? Uh, you went with Gabe Velarde, yeah. who did not receive a vote. I don't know if he played more than like 15 games, mm. and if he did, I don't think he did much. But yeah, all right. Well, that's great. Thanks, Gabe Velarde. Uh, I went with Kaprizov, which was correct. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tim Stutzla as well at mm-hmm. nine. Oh, Velarde actually had an all right year. Never mind. He played almost the whole season at 23 points, but whatever. And okay. uh, my, my third pick, because I only went with three, I went with uh, Igor Shesterkin, who finished fifth. Okay. So you did the thing. So I got six points to add to my uh, my little lead here. Congrats. Yeah, going on. Thanks, buddy. Two categories left. Wow, a lot of people weren't very good at I this. Think, I think you got to run the table. Uh, name up to five players who will finish in the top 15 of Hart Trophy voting this year. Okay. So now i got to find the Hart fucking trophy. All right. So top, what was it? Top 15 of Hart voting. Okay. You went with uh, Connor McDavid. Mm-hmm. I think that was correct. Mm-hmm. Uh, you went with uh, Nathan McKinnon. Mm-hmm. Uh, he finished third. Yeah, I know where this is going. Yeah. Uh, you went with uh, Connor Hellebuck. Mm-hmm. And he finished 19th. Okay. And your other pick was uh, Jack Eichel. Who did not play this season or whatever. He did not so. play this season. So. Yeah, that's great. He did not uh, yeah, show up. Yeah. Uh, I, I went with uh, McDavid... McKinnon and Matthews, mm-hmm. and um, unfortunately, I, I rounded it out with a guy that I thought was going to win the trophy, who was uh, Elias Pettersson. Uh, so, uh, yeah, yeesh. no points gained either way there. Yeah. Finally, uh, Brutes, question eight was uh, for us to name up to five players who are currently on an NHL roster that will definitely change teams between the start of the season and the end. Of the first day of NHL free agency. So there's mm-hmm. still a little bit of time on this one, technically. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this includes being picked in the expansion draft, but not retirement or otherwise exiting the league entirely. Mm-hmm. Just a new team. Mm-hmm. Uh, you went with Tyler Johnson, so this one's going to have to be to be determined. Yeah. You went with TJ Oshie. Yep. Uh, you went with Taylor Hall, that's correct. Yep. You went with Zach Cassian. Okay, that, well, does it count if he just gets bought out and not signed or what? <laughs> and Sam Bennett. Ooh. So you went two for five there. I I feel reasonably good about Oshie and, and Johnson still. Yeah. I, I'm i not, Cassian might be a tough sell. But. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, I went with Taylor Hall. Good pick. I went with Pierre-Luc Dubois. You did, yeah. I went with Eric Stahl. Good pick. I picked Marc Andre Fleury. Not, not, not a great pick. But you never know. <laughs> yeah, they got to take. Oh no, they're not. They in, don't have to take not anyone. In, <laughs> fucking bullshit. I, I, uh, so high. I wouldn't be shocked, but I don't think so. So high. It's yeah, thirty-seven. And um, a guy that I assumed would get flipped at the deadline to try to chase some sort of uh, for Stanley Cup. Patrick Marlowe. Mm, yeah. Mm. Mm. Um, yeah. Well, yeah, actually, I think that one's that one's wrapped up. So. Kind of big <laughs> on him signing with Philadelphia on I've July decided to retire a Boston Bruin. What? Yeah. So, the good news here, Brutes, is uh, between my Marlowe and Flurry picks, I don't think I'm getting any points out of that last one. Okay? okay. Now, again, we're going to have to come back to this after the expansion draft, probably. But uh, you are down by... Uh, 12 points 
Okay. So you would you would need. But if I run if I run the table there, yeah, I, I'll be okay. You need the full five. Yeah, four won't do it. No, um, of that, course not. You'd lose. Yeah. So you need all five. Yeah. I, I yeah. Johnson, Oshi, and Cassie. It doesn't look great, but it's better than me. Yeah. Yeah. Let's uh, let's be rooting for uh, for Zach Cassian to get bought out in the next couple weeks here. Perfect, I guess. Um, that brings us to the uh, the awful, awful. Ooh, the, yeah, awful, yeah. The awful. Um, yeah, no, it's uh, it was my week to pick, and I uh, I in honor of uh, Italy winning the uh, winning the Euro Cup, I decided to. It, it, we needed to talk about our boy. Our champion. We have one guy that <laughs> that has done anything for us, and uh, we're going to talk about him now. So, uh, I figured overrated, underrated, favorite, least favorite, Robert De Niro movies. Bobby De Niro. Bobby D. Ah, Vinny Videnci. Freaking Bobby D, baby. Mm. So, yeah. No, I figured uh, that would be a good one. So, uh, yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm game. Yeah. Do you have, do you have thoughts? Uh, overrated. My overrated is The Irishman. Yeah. Like, he's good in it, for sure. Yeah. People made it out like as if this was the greatest mob movie ever made, and it was like, it's fine. It's kind of cool that Joe Pesci came back. You know, that was that was neat. But literally, I just sat there for five hours and watched three, <laughs> three former really cool gangster dudes in their 90s try to be gangster dudes again, and it just didn't really work for me. That's all okay. it was. It was... We didn't need to do that. We didn't need to, to, to go down that road. Hmm. I still have to rewatch it. I've only seen it the <laughs> once, so I... You're take a week off. Well, that's what I was literally about to say. i got to get the time off first. But once I do, I'm going to rewatch the movie. So we'll, we'll see if it holds up upon second watch. But Nice. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, my, my overrated is what I thought was going to be your overrated, and I'm now expecting it to be your least favorite, because I know you don't care for it. Uh, my overrated would be Silver Linings Playbook. Mm. He, it's not a Robert De Niro movie, but he's in it. And I think the movie maybe just gets a little bit too much love, uh, than in what it deserves. It's a David O. Russell film, who I, I quite like a lot of his movies, but some of them are not great, and Silver Linings Playbook was enjoyable. Uh, it was fine. I don't really know that it deserves to be held up as this, like, masterpiece of cinema or anything like that. And furthermore, uh, the reason it would be my overrated De Niro movie, I don't remember his role. It's the only movie where, like, I'm looking at it and he's in it and I'm like, I don't really recall that. He's like, the dad. I, no, like, I get that, but, yeah. like, I just don't, I don't remember a scene of him or anything like that. Like, I just don't. Oh, yeah, that that was the only know. part of the movie I liked. They, they show up. No, I get that. He's freaking out about the Philadelphia Eagles and his Philadelphia Eagles jersey. It's fucking hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. Something about Robert De Niro playing an Eagles fan kind of rubs me the wrong way, too. So, True. Anyway. Uh, my underrated. This is going to shock you. And I think maybe for the first time so ever. Playbook. For the first time ever uh, on, on this podcast. We're going to uh, disagree. During an awful. I'm, I'm taking an animated film because I'm going Shark Tale. I, I, think, I think if Disney made Shark Tale, that would be mm. considered one of the greatest animated films of all time. Who made it? Uh, I believe that was DreamWorks. Yeah, um, that movie kicks ass. Will Smith is the main character. Um, I'm bad with remembering wh- whose voices go with which face, but other people were in it. Uh, 
Robert De Niro was in it. He played the mafia boss. It was fucking hilarious. It was it was a fantastic little little piece of writing there. Um, they did a great little thing. Like again, he's he's the mafia dude, the the Don. Um, I'm sure they had some witty name for him. But like you know, like they knew the rule. They knew what they were getting from De Niro, and I thought I thought they I thought that movie kicked ass. Mm. Great film. I was 12. Loved it. Let's go. I have not seen it. Wow. Um, Do yourself a favor. Yeah. Well, maybe. What did it? What would it have lost to at that at that year's Oscars for animated animated film? Now I gotta look that. It up. may have been around by then, but that category is not super old. That's true. So you know, 2004. Did it get nom? Oh, it got nominated. Losing, losing to something. The Incredibles. Oh, that well. I mean, I haven't seen Shark Maybe. Tale, but The Incredibles is pretty good. Renee Zellweger, Angelina Jolie, Jack Black, Martin Scorsese. Like, come on, are, are you, you doing uh, here? Are you an Incredibles guy? It's okay. Yeah, yeah. The I'm sequel was fan. bad, but I didn't hate it. Yeah. It wasn't great though. Yeah. Hmm. We could have just left that one alone. That that's quite possible. Um, my underrated would be The Family, uh, which, of course, Robert De Niro's in a movie called The, the Family. That's a good one. Uh, 2013, he plays uh, Giovanni Minozzi or uh, Fred Blake. Um, his family has been relocated overseas, uh, trying to get away from the, uh, the mafia in New York kind of thing. And they're in, like, basically witness protection kind of thing because he's a uh, former mob boss who's offered, uh, you know details and whatnot so they've put him into protection um but people have tracked him down and they are now trying to kill him and his family kind of thing uh it is a it is a comedy movie it is quite funny i would say too tommy lee jones michelle pfeiffer dana diana agron it's a great cast uh very funny movie though and i I really really like it it doesn't really get thought of as like a uh you know a big name robert de niro movie but i i think it is definitely worth the watch because it certainly has some Polarity to it. So great use of uh, the song Clint Eastwood by the Gorillas in that yep. movie. Yep, big fan. Yep, good absolutely film. good film. It's a good movie. Good pick. Mm-hmm. Um, my favorite is uh, Meet the Parents. Yeah. Yep. Come on, Frank Burns. We talked about it. Being... Uh, it's Jack Burns. You've made that mistake multiple times on the podcast. To me, too. it's, it's actually Frank funny, Burns. but yeah. well, it's 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 he... very openly Jack, like hundreds of times in the movie. But... He will forever be Frank Burns to me. <laughs> they say they may say his character's name more times than any characters ever had their name said in a movie. Do you do you know who Frank Burns is? Uh, should I? Well, he is a character in a TV show. Okay, Mash. Oh no! Major Frank Burns from Match, and that's why I always kind of get the Burns <laughs> thing mixed up. Major yeah. Burns, Jack Burns, Frank yeah. Burns. It's, it's I think there. I think there was a time. That's why it's subconscious. When we did the the bracket episode, though, like I think you even called him Frank Barnes at one point. Like it was like <laughs> you didn't even get the last name right. But yeah, no, Meet the Parents holds up. I rewatched it. Uh, I watched it, well I shouldn't say I rewatched it, I watched it this weekend for what is probably like the 25th time in my life I've ever seen that fucking movie, it's one of my favorite comedy movies, and it holds up, and I would even say like Meet the Fockers is pretty fucking good too, like it's it's not the same, but it's very close, it's, it's very it's, good. It's pretty good. It yeah. follows the same formula very much, it's got one of my favorite comedy like wink wink nod nod like openings to a movie where they're going through the airport for the second time. And everything that went wrong the first time is now going right, including that they found the stewardess from the first movie that he, like, 
basically assaults on the plane and she's like back doing flight doesn't recognize him and is super nice and helpful to him this time i'm like that's this is the greatest so yeah uh yeah no that that is my favorite i also uh i i i had two answers because it was hard for me to pick between the two i also put casino uh as my other favorite robert de niro movie lovely that's a good one my least favorite yeah it's a dirty grandpa (laughs) <laughs> like yeah no i get i think he, i get it he he can do comedy like we we've well you know, meet the parents uh family even even las vegas has has a lot of similar yeah. tropes to dirty grandpa mm-hmm. de niro can do funny but he can't do like raunchy funny yeah i can't buy him in the role yeah um, I thought I thought the movie was funny. No, like, I didn't. Like, because, like there just were, because of De Niro. Well, like, it pulled I thought me the out. script was funny. Oh, I okay. guess. Like okay. I thought I thought there were funny jokes. I thought some of the lines were funny. But you're right. Like there was something off putting about De Niro. Yeah. Like it just wasn't. Yeah. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. For, those least your, favorite. Those are your thoughts. Least favorite. Okay. Uh, my least favorite is a movie by the name of Righteous Kill. Came out in two thousand and eight, uh, and if you're Ron's trying to killed. if you're trying to think what movie it is, uh, it stars Robert De Niro and Al Pacino. Uh, but it gets worse from there. Um, th- this is one of the worst piece of shit movies I've ever seen in my entire life. Uh, do not waste your time. It is horrible, absolutely horrible. It seems like one of those movies where they're like, you know what, we have a lot of money. We're just going to give it all to Robert De Niro and Al Pacino. We're not even going to write a script. We're just going to... We'll figure it out as we go. Uh, it's terrible. It makes no sense. Uh, the rest of the cast is garbage. Uh, it's no good. No good. Well, I won't check it out then. Because I've never even mm, heard of that film. No. So. Actually, Melissa Leo's buried somewhere in that cast. But, Oof. yeah. She's good, too. But, mm. yeah. Um, before we sign off, I just, just want to ask it real quick. Because we had a little bit of an interaction... Uh, on social media because of it. What do you think of that new R. Kells song? I like it. Yeah. Yeah, it's really good. I, I, we, we did the top 60, whatever, four R. Kells songs, whatever it was at the time, uh, episode there. I, I think it's already like a top 15 for me. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, it, it's like anything in music. Like, if we redid that episode now, I probably would put certain songs higher and certain songs lower than where we had them, right? But, yeah. like, yeah, I don't know. First impression's really good. It looks like it's already going to be the strongest song on said album uh, that they've released so far. My only real complaint, I guess, with the Arkells right now is just, like, they, they did this with Rally Cry, and they seem to be doing it again. Is like, I'm not a huge... I know, like, a lot of current top 40 artists do this kind of thing, but, like, I really do not like the whole, we're going to release songs over the course of a few years, but, like, when we put out an album, like, half of the songs are going to be those songs. Because, like... It's hard for me to kind of go at an album now when I've been listening to the shit out of some of these songs as singles and I'm sick of them now. You know what I mean? Like, like as an album, a lot of those songs just don't seem to fit together now at this point. And I'm like, I'm a little discouraged by that. So yeah, I don't care for that. Uh, most rock bands don't do that. Are the Arkells are a rare exception that they do because you know marketing and all that, but. Uh, that kind of bugs me. So, but I think this is one of the ones that's going to age well. The so. the only song that really bugged me in that, in that regard was um, uh, "Years in the Making" because that one's been over a year now. 
Yeah, well, that, that's that's my point. Like, yeah. like all roads, sure you can get it, sure, but like I would almost rather one of those not even be on there too. Like in a way, like I I don't know. We don't need a whole influx of releases to get us fired up for an album. The album should be able to do its talking kind of thing. So I don't know. Like maybe there's something that we don't know there, but uh, I don't know. It, it, that bugs me. But I like the song. I like the song. Like, Years in the Making came out before Quitting You, which is on an entirely different album. I believe Years in the Making is last January. Like, that that's an old song. 2020. It was it's, on NHL the last The most last recent game. one. Yeah, so, yeah, so. it's it's an older song. I'm, I'm yeah, I don't know. It's a, it's a weird choice, but, hmm. yeah. Hmm. Years in the Making, February 25th, 2020. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Year Our, and a half by the before, time it's on the album. Before COVID. Wow. Before we got... Well, not we didn't get it, but before we got... Before COVID. Yeah, before we got it, that released over here, so... Yeah. I guess before we sign off, too, I was going to ask you, uh, did you end up finishing I Think You Should Leave Season 2? No, I haven't. Okay. Um, We'll revisit it uh, next week. Again, the the girlfriend and I want to watch together. We got halfway... Mm-hmm. Haven't watched those final three yet, right. so we'll that, that we'll I think in a week's time. I think that's going to be on the docket tomorrow night. So hopefully by next episode, Lovely. anyway, we'll be able to talk. I like it. Yeah, uh, loving, loving everything I've seen, and um, I had to I had to change my Twitter profile picture to be the Dan Flash's logo because goddamn, it's yeah. a good sketch. Yeah, it's a good sketch. Good one. I've watched uh, I've watched it a few times, and I was talking about it with some of the guys that I was golfing with today because a few of them are. Uh, starting it, and a few of them, uh, or one of the guys watches it religiously, and um, I think it gets, I think season two gets funnier the more I watch it, and it it is much better than season one, I think, at this stage. Like, I'm, it's not so much that I've waited for it, and it's here, and now it's the shiny new toy. A lot of it is very, very funny, and it takes a couple watches to really appreciate it, almost, because some of it you're just like taken aback by, you know, because it's it's kind of like it's the office in a way where it's like yeah. it's almost shock, cringe humor, like curb your enthusiasm, same idea. So, um, but yeah, the more I watch, the more I enjoy it. So I've rewatched the first season a couple times now in anticipation for the second season, mm-hmm. and yeah, that was what I found with the first season was every time I watched it again, it was yeah. picking up on something or yeah. finding that funny when I didn't find it funny the first time. But yeah. I uh, I kept quoting that you've seen the the little buff boy uh, competition yeah. there. Yeah. So I kept quoting the when the host is like leaning into the boss there and he's just like, "All right, who's it going to be? Who, and you're going to pick one." And he just keeps saying this shit. He's like, "Who's carved up? Who's the carved ham?" <laughs> and I kept saying that on the golf course last night and Chozik was just couldn't handle himself. He didn't even know who's, what I was talking who's about. Who's the carved ham? Yeah, who are right, who's carved up? Who's carved who's the carved meat here? <laughs> Just keep saying shit. Won't let the guy talk. Yeah, I, I'm gonna have show. to go home and, and really have some self control to not toss that on and, and finish it without her. I yeah yeah. How come it says you watched this already? Oh, sweetie, I, I promise. I, I I fell asleep. It's Netflix mistake. I'll call them right one. now. Yeah, I'll have this rectified right now. I'll get the one the blower. Um, I I'm Bruce Battaglia of the High Button. Yeah, you, you sure are. You uh, you are James Cole. I also am. Yes. Uh, next episode will be the Seattle Kraken bonus episode, wow. which... Uh, Are they having an expansion draft? Hey, that's right. Yeah, someone tell Jim Benning. <laughs> um, that 
I'm thinking we're going to do Friday for a Saturday release. We will have to figure out exactly when, but we, we I mean, we could do it anytime and just put it out a certain day. Um, but we will likely, that'll be the next time you hear from us, and then we will have a regular episode next week, I imagine. We may have another bonus episode before the start of free agency as well. We'll have a free what agency what episode. What is that? It's usually July 1st. I have no idea. Oh, buddy. Um, so, <laughs> come on, don't ask questions here. Um, but there, there's a decent chance that we maybe only have a couple more regular episodes before we'll take a little holiday. Uh, so we'll, we'll see what happens here, but, uh, some more content coming for those of you who are wondering what the end of season structure is here. Uh, at least four more of some kind, I guess, is what's going on here. And then we'll, uh, we'll let you know when we know more. That we will, cause we can't any sooner than that. That's right. Right. Yeah. Okay. Okay. See you then. Bye-bye. I'm telling you, this place is perfect. You're going to make friends in no time. Get me out of here! Eat that! Leave us alone!